The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We're here on this wonderfully cold morning, and I'm Veda with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, and I'm cold. Oh, God. What? You're cold? I am cold. I must be getting sick. That's, I think Claire, uh, <laughs> Claire, our producer's got it down like on 30 degrees in here. That must be it. 30. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Claire one that's talk. freezing all the time. Okay, so. Well, finally, had, y'all. I mean, God, you know, I was talking to a it's customer. It's Thanksgiving. It is. I know, See, right? It's already here. Uh, you know, and a customer yeah. told me yesterday, he said, to me, this has been the, the best fall that mm-hmm. I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it has been one of them. You know, yeah. the weather's been you know, okay and decent. I mean, we had some warm weather, in my opinion. You know, yeah, we did a weeks ago. But, but the colors, fantastic. Yeah, I've had a little rainfall. You know, we're supposed to have a little bit more coming in. Unfortunately, I think on tomorrow Thanksgiving day right. or whatever. Yeah, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But and then um, Thanksgiving week. Yeah, it is on Thanksgiving. Hadn't day. been too bad. Yeah. You know. Right, but the bad thing is, is if you were bringing your family over to help you plant all those bulbs, then um, it's going to rain, and then they're going to be in the house with you the whole time. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way she thinks. Poor planning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but bulbs, I mean, people will start thinking about putting bulbs yeah. in the ground. You mm-hmm. know, typically we say around here, around Thanksgiving, you know, the yeah. soil temperatures are cooler. They're going to stay cool, cool enough to where the bulbs aren't going to tease themselves out of the ground. So. Be a lot of that going on, Veda, like you said, in the next week or 10 days. Looking forward to all that. Um, Also, the amaryllis, we're planting those in the pot Mm -hmm. so you can have those blooming by Christmas time. But they are growing too fast. Too fast. It's, isn't it crazy? Slow down. You know, and about the only way you can do that is put it in a cooler room. That's, you know? I, know, I saw them coming out a little bit of the bulb, and I put them in a box, yeah. in a dark box, because I would like some of them to wait. You know, instead <clears> of having everything blooming almost by Thanksgiving. And then the paper whites, you know, they do the same thing. They're mm-hmm. so easy to force to bloom indoors, and everybody wants it blooming around Christmas time, right? Right. Hit or miss. You know, yeah. you never know, but. But yeah, when you're trying to force these bulbs inside, like the amaryllis and the paper whites, you know, the cooler the room, the slower they're going mm-hmm. to grow, and they tend not to get quite as leggy. Yeah. Uh, when they're a little cooler, now once they start to bloom, they they actually grow pretty fast anyway. But they're fun, you know. And uh, to me, you know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, want to slap me when I say this. I love the smell yeah, of paper me whites. Me too. Me too. Uh, there are other people that say they can't stand the smell Is of that those you, things. Jim? Um, they're a little overwhelming in a house. Yeah, <laughs> I like you know in, to walk by them and smell them, but mm-hmm. I don't want to smell them constantly. Yeah, <laughs> but you know there are so many different varieties on the market now. There are some that that aren't as uh, fragrant. Right, you know the Ziva is the most fragrant. That's the one that we've sold for you know thirty years. And then this year, we not only do we get the Ziva, we also got the Inball and the mm-hmm. Galilee. Yeah, uh, and they have you know the same blooming characteristics, but they're not quite as fragrant mm-hmm. as the Ziva. So you can still have your paper whites and right. not have the, uh, the the musky smell, yeah. as they say. Well, I am almost out of paper whites, and just um, yesterday yeah. the bulb salesman came in, and we were going over the spring bulbs. Yeah, and I said, "Do you have any paper whites?" And he just <clears throat> laughed yeah. and laughed and laughed. Yeah. He says, "We're lucky to have bulbs this year." Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, but looking at all the mm. bulbs for next spring, I'm, I think I'm ready for spring now. <laughs> and I got a question for both of y'all. I had a landscaper call me the other day, and he was listening to what you always said, Jim, about, you know, in the fall, uh, cutting the annual color down to the ground and mm-hmm. leaving the root system in the ground and planting your pansies or whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. But just not pulling up the whole plant mm-hmm. unless you want to throw it in a compost pile. Well, he has these big beds. He's a landscaper, so he has these big beds every year that he takes care of. And one of these particular beds, he plants dragon wing begonias, okay? And we all know how big mm-hmm. dragon wing begonias can get, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the summer session, before he gets ready to plant his pansies, he'll go out there, or his guys will, and they'll just weed eat the dragon wings down to ground level. Just weed them down. Mm-hmm. But instead of raking all that up and throwing it in the compost pile, he'll get a tiller and add uh, some garden soil, and he'll till all that stuff in. Mm -hmm. I mean, every bit of it. And then add a little more garden soil to kind of get the bed shaped the way he wants it again and come back and plant his pansies. And he said, Kenny, is that, you know, can that be detrimental? Because there again, you're tilling in a Mm -hmm. good bit of green material. Right. Yeah. But I was like, I don't think so. You know, if you're tilling, go ahead. The only downside is. Your mycorrhizae, you're going to mm-hmm. cut, chop it all up. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's basically got to start over. Yeah. Because that's, he's tilling every year. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, farmers have done it for years yeah. and, and you get fairly good results by doing that when you're just going to till that material in at the end of the season. So but, as but far he, as hurting anything, no other than just your your biome in your soil. Yeah. So that's why we like to add more organic matter every time just to speed up the biome. Uh, developing again but but he was i mean he caught himself second guessing himself yeah. because there again dragon wings the trunks of them the stems mm-hmm. of them can get pretty know, still like a shrub um <laughs> yeah and he was like man am i just getting too much stuff in there mm-hmm. he said but to me it's just so much easier to weed eat it add my material till it all in yeah. add more material rake it smooth and come back and plant and i said well just make sure that you add a fertilizer because mm-hmm. You know, microbes are going to be what's breaking all that material right, down. Right. And, you know, they can draw a lot of the nitrates from the soil as they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So. I think my big question would be, well, do they look good through the season? If they look good, then keep doing it. Yeah, if they right. look horrible, change your system. Yeah, I, I see no downside to I it. I don't yeah. either. Yeah. I don't either. For me, my downside would be having to get the tiller. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, but see, but know. they carry these little tillers in the back of their truck anyway. Yeah, you well, know, I mean, so. not for like commercial. Yes. Like, of course, if you get one of those fun little mantis. But I don't know. Those roots and those begonias is so intense. That mantis would probably bounce up and down on the <laughs> ground. Not, well, I've got a little electric one i bought and it's not a man it's it's you know some off brand but it does an excellent job mm-hmm. even cutting through in the clay and i guess it's just not difficult to get out and use no yeah, you know it's light enough it. you can carry it in one hand mm, i might be liking this idea then yeah it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not bad because well, i'll well, lend you mine if you want okay well i'm thinking now if you till, that's but you almost have a, you easier. Have an apartment. Why do you need to dig? Tiller? Well, because I I work <laughs> in other to till areas. The courtyard. Yeah, do have some property that I work on. Well, but Just you know, you're talking about you know done it lately. You know, soil structure. You know, in mm-hmm. tilling every year and adding new amendments to that soil, uh, compost material to that soil every year. Um, but then you think, okay, well, farmers out there, I mean, they got these huge plows and tractors, mm-hmm. and they're tilling every year. Uh, and I really don't see them adding, you know, more soil to mm-hmm. their fields every year. Right. There again, that's why soil conversation, I mean, con- 
conservation yeah. is so important, you know, because a lot of times out west, you know, they lose a lot of that topsoil. Yeah, and that's true all through the Mississippi Basin where, you know, so many farmers now are not tilling. They're going to a no-till, mm-hmm. uh, which is good for the soil. And as long as you can produce your crop, that's, you know, it's, it's a real benefit. Yeah, and they're starting to add microorganisms to the soil and, and incorporating some more organic practices into the soil and so they're they're blending it with the other methods they've always used yeah so yeah, i mean i just thought great. that was pretty interesting that and he, he really he, and he does that. it really yeah. more to save time it's not that mm-hmm. he you know they don't mind pulling all these things out and starting over but they just weed eat tillion and he said you know so far you know the pansies have done you know really good mm-hmm. now he did say at some point up under these massive trees, uh, you know, the pansies can look a little weak or a little stringy. Uh, and, I, you know, a lot of that has to do with how much sun it's getting, how much shade or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, um, how much fertilizer the thing's getting, how much water they're getting. So he was trying to pinpoint it on that. And I was yeah. like, Jim and y'all, I was like, I don't think that's the problem. No. You know? No, not if they look good. Yeah. Yeah. And if up closer to the tree they're not doing well, then sometimes that's just how it happens being closer to the tree but anyway that sounds like a much needed option to think about well but Mm -hmm. i also said you know make sure that you do go out there and feed Mm -hmm. you know these pansies you know a lot of times even as homeowners we'll go out there and and plant these pansies hey i'm raising my hand right now i'm just as guilty as anybody and not come back and put a, a nice balanced fertilizer down uh, I mean, it, it helps to do that. Yeah. I've got my wagon. I've got my compost yeah. and my fertilizer and my root stimulator and my mulch. And just head out there and <clears throat> dig everything out, shake the soil out, throw all that stuff in the compost. Mix the... Depends on, like, what I did in the in the spring. Right. So if I mixed in a good type of compost, then this time I might just use earthworm castings. Because, you know, soil likes to eat different things just like people like to eat different things. So you want to add all the different products. I know I'm going to make me a gourmet uh, landscape. Well, I remember when you were doing landscaping, though, you always had this big wheelbarrow that was just Mm -hmm. full of compost. And any time you planted any tree or shrub, any of them, Mm -hmm. uh, you were shoveling this stuff in there and working into our native soil before you planted it. Yeah, I had had like a a soil that I mixed for healing plants, and then I had a soil that I mixed for planting. Well, but but there again, and I've seen pictures of all the stuff that you used to do, but you didn't lose a lot of stuff after you planted it, hardly anything. Right, right. No, it was fantastic. The only time we had issues if they didn't water properly— but then I put in a small irrigation, and bam, that was done. So uh, it can be done. Shame on you for thinking that people are going to go out there and water after you landscape. I know, right? You know? Yeah, because you would actually, could you visualize that sometimes, how beautiful the yard's going to mm-hmm. look when you finish, then when you come back, it's just bone dry. Or they would say, oh, I watered. Yeah. And I'm like, when and how long? And then on so, the flip side, some people go out there and they love to water. Mm-hmm. And they're watering every day and they're killing these things with 10 to love and care. Yep. And I think we have to take a break and then we'll be back to holistic gardening with the Vita Bench. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. If you can't pick us up, just go to kwamradio.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts and 
Um, we want to also mention that you know, last month we had uh, about 3,000 downloads of our podcast of previous shows, which right. we really appreciate. Tell all your friends. Um, and, and surprising where they come from. Uh, mm-hmm. The top 10 cities are Memphis, of course, Bartlett, Dallas, Texas, hmm. Atlanta, Georgia, New York, New York. <laughs> Hey, y'all up there. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Louisville, (laughs) Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, Chicago, South Haven, Mississippi, Mm. and number 10 was Los Angeles, California. I'll be darned. So... Y'all tell your friends if they can listen. They don't have to, you know, if it's 4 o'clock where you are right now, they just they can listen right. to the podcast. I've heard the word y'all like 30 I times know, in the right? last 10 minutes, right? right? If you want to hear some Southernisms, this is the place. This is the place. All right, so you said, uh, of course, the phone number, and of course, the local number, 901-260-5926, and then kwamradio.com, and then the Mighty 990 streaming live right there, Miss Vade. I can see you. I'm sitting here watching you right now. Oh, so a lot nice. of different ways, and then Jim mentioned the podcast if you missed the show. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. Oh, no. I have lots of holistic things to talk about on your soil yeah, and everything. Yeah, the, the healing Jim's, soil. That one, that one just gonna, struck a note with me. Struck a note. What kind of note? <laughs> Am I asking for it if I ask for that? <laughs> no, don't go there. <laughs> okay, Kenneth. Take it away. It's um, poinsettia time. It is poinsettia time. And it's, uh, in fact, Jim, you came by yesterday and picked up some poinsettias for the studio here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, to me, it's hard to believe it's been basically a year mm-hmm. since I was putting out poinsettias. And it hit me yesterday that, man, time is flying by, I'm telling you. Because Thanksgiving's next week. Yeah. Um, but poinsettias, I mean, they're they're great. And, you know, we know about Colonel Poinsett. You know, he was the ambassador to Mexico from mm-hmm. United States. And the first time he went down there, I guess in the maybe late 1800s, mm-hmm. he saw the poinsettias down in Mexico. And he said, this is a cool plant. I'm going to send some back to the, uh, to the uh, to America, which he did. Well, they caught on, of course, yeah. like wildfire. And the rest is history, you know. Of course, they did. They look not like they right. do. Right. Yeah, they <laughs> yes. weren't quite as brilliant They're as they hard. are. They're more leggy yeah. and smaller flowers. Yeah, yeah. but he still, yeah. you know, Just he loved. Just a tiny bit of red on them. Yeah. But he really loved that plant when he was in Mexico. And, uh, of course, that's where a lot of this, you know, started as mm-hmm. far as the poinsettia, uh, you know, a symbolism of Christmas, right? But, um, you know, they're easy to take care of, honestly. The only thing that they really don't like is cold temperatures. Uh, and we see so many people when it's really cold outside, they'll come in and buy a uh, poinsettia and stick them in the trunk of the car and take off, right? Yeah. Well, we're always telling them, no, put these in the car where it's warm. And then when you get home, take them out of the car and get them in the house where it's warm. Yeah. Oh, and don't, I always say don't put them in the floorboard with your heat blowing on Well, either. but, but yeah. I'd <laughs> rather have that than laying in that trunk where it's 31 degrees. Either way, right? <laughs> and then, um, you know, when you water the poinsettias, actually use tepid water. Don't mm-hmm. use cold, cold water. They're just cold sensitive. They don't like anything cold okay and if they're in a wrapper pour out the extra water in 10 minutes or so and get them out of that wrapper but it was funny guys i know we'll forget this i was uh, going to a christmas party uh, years ago and we walk up the uh the stairs to this big porch before we walk into the house on either side of the front door like we always have there's two pots there right well inside these pots it was like 28 degrees outside with these beautiful massive poinsettias and, of course, they did it just for the party. Mm-hmm. But by the time we <laughs> left the party, there were these beautiful, massive stems sticking up. The leaves <laughs> that were gone, you know. Oh, no. But, yeah. um, but as, as people fast. were walking in, yeah. they looked good, okay? Right. And, and that's one reason I like to go to independent nurseries 
Usually they're buying them locally. They're locally grown, and they're carefully handled from the time they leave the grower to the time they hit the retail. Right. Um, yeah, so if you're points- I've seen racks of poinsettias in some of the box stores <laughs> that are chilled before they ever hit the yeah. floor. Yeah. You know, and then leaves start falling tell, off. Right? That's right. They're 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 just they're going downhill. And I, having been in the business since dirt was forming, I, I can I, holistic I, dirt. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I have learned to recognize when a poinsettia is going to last mm-hmm. a week. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're going to pay more probably if you go to an independent nursery, but it's well worth it because. It should look as good on Mother's Day as it does, does on Christmas Day. I agree. You're Mother's getting, Day. I haven't Mother's even Day. been good to get it that far. Oh, yeah. You're getting florist grade uh, poinsettias. Right. You're right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they, like you said, they last longer. You're not dropping leaves. They look good the whole time. <clears throat> and usually you may be paying a couple dollars more, you know, to get something that's going to last a lot longer. Well, right. but I'm also one of these in firm believers that. After Christmas, you know, yeah, I don't care how beautiful this thing looks, it's time for it to go. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've told this story a thousand times. You know about me cutting my mother's backyard, mm-hmm. and I look over there, and there's a dang poinsettia in a pot. And there was this white cloud swirling around this poinsettia. Well, the white cloud was nothing more than a million white flies. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why Which is she, she strategically placed there to draw them away from Maybe, Jim, but yeah. I snuck <laughs> over there and grabbed this thing and threw it in the trash. And to this day, I don't know if she knows I did that well, or she not. She wonders why there's white fly all over her yard. Could now. be. I'm yeah. But I'm like, uh-uh. That, and I guess that that was part of, no, why do people yeah. trying to carry these poinsettias over from yeah. year to year? You know, they, they are just, they're seasonal color. You know, yeah. Enjoy them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. After Christmas, I'm really kind of done with it. But I have planted them in the garden, and they make nice background plants. Yeah. Now, they back do. when I first got into it, you could plant a poinsettia in the garden, and it would be four feet tall by the end of the season. Right. But so many of them now are natural dwarfs. Uh, they stay compact. They don't even have to be shaded anymore to bloom. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah, they've they come yeah. a long way with with hybridizing these things. Well, I like to buy red poinsettias and pink and white. Red's for Christmas, pink and white are for January and February. No, you mean you don't like the blue and the glitter? No, I'm done with that one. Done with that one. Yeah, to me it's just not Christmas. That ain't right. No. It's not right. (laughs) We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call, 844-747-8868. You can also stream us online right now, Mm kwamradio.com. And then in the local number, 901-260-5926. And then, of course, if you want to see Miss Pretty Vada's face, Mighty 990, uh, the uh, Mid-South Gardening. And And if Mm -hmm. you have a question, um, post during the week. Just posted on our website, Mid-South Gardening. We, we got our good it. buddy from uh, Los Angeles, California, I believe. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. No, not Los Angeles, San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. Okay, San Francisco. Yeah. But either way, Dave, we appreciate the call, buddy, from the West Coast. Oh, no trouble. Yeah, and uh, 
So what I was interested in, there were two things, actually. Uh, one was, I, I mentioned it in previous shows about uh, saving the topsoil. Right. And, and uh, there are these videos on uh, YouTube uh, about how fast the Sahara Desert uh, came about. That it actually was very green for for centuries, and within 100 years or so, uh, it turned into a hellish desert. And um, and so I'm afraid America could go to that same uh, problem. You know, here in California, we require uh, the snow to to stay, uh, you know, 14 feet of snow up in the mountains mm-hmm. at least into April, May. And it's been all gone by the time March comes along, and it's it's been at least ten years like that. Mm. So, uh, and the same with the Rocky Mountains; uh, they're melting way too early, also. So, America requires that slow melt to be able to do irrigation ditches all through North Dakota, South Dakota, Colorado, uh, Arizona. Uh, Southern California, uh, you know, everybody irrigates out uh, in the great, uh, you know, the great growing areas. Right. And so if the snowpack is disappearing, then all of a sudden those irrigation systems are useless. And uh, so we've got to figure out something quick about, uh, you know, how we're going to cool down the earth enough so that we get some snow left. And more, and more, more plants, more yeah, trees. It's, it's, it's no doubt, too, that, you know, we're going through a, a period like Oklahoma did, you know, during the Dust Bowl with eight or ten years probably of insufficient water. Uh, hopefully Mother Nature will correct that and get you get, get some snowpack out there that, that you've had in the past. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure that even if we could stop global warming, that it would have that much impact on your particular area because we have these periodic um, fluctuations in weather, you know, that are not long-term like the Sahara is, but we have those where period where areas just go 10, 12 years in a different Pattern, pattern. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I was trying to get. So, um, well, it, something where you know this infrastructure bill. I've mentioned it in other calls. Yes, you know sir. that the infrastructure bill coming up uh, should include. I and I've asked the question to you in almost twenty other shows. Right. Do you believe that topsoil should be part of the America's infrastructure? Bill? I do. Yeah, I do. And, and I know, David, you made a comment. You know, which I thought was fascinating. Even about, you know, harvesting the silt and soil going down the Mississippi River. Right. You know, I mean, you know, the Corps of Engineers can, you know, create these stair steps and and collect all that stuff. But I'm with you. Not only through, you know, uh, flooding and erosion. I mean, here we're talking about, you know, not having the water uh, to irrigate these these areas in California. And then the next thing you know, the wind is is taking a lot of the topsoil away. We unfortunately have a... um, government right now that has um, their priorities wrong. Um, you know, they're giving each state a million dollars to study how uh, for kids to walk to school. Yeah. Well, it's big guys in penthouses you know, deciding how agriculture should right. be handled. Yeah, that's, you know, right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is, this is uh, yeah. they've lost Beautiful. focus. Yeah, hey, well, the, the other thing I was going to raise, uh, and I don't know if you've seen this, Apparently, I've just got a Financial Times of London article about uh, COVID is getting into deer, 
And uh, humans are not catching COVID from deer. The deer are catching it from humans. Yeah. And there's speculation in this article that, you know, yard waste or deer getting into the garbage, mm. uh, you know, things like that um, are spreading it. So if somebody's going through a bout of COVID in their house, uh, watch out for what gets tossed in the yard because the deer are catching the COVID. Unbelievable. You know, I just thought that we were somewhere over the hump and kind of getting over this, and then you start reading about all these, you know, these outbreaks. Animals, yeah, it's starting again in Europe. Yeah. You know, they're right. going into a fourth phase of it now. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, well, good thing we can't get it from plants because yeah. I'm just going to stay in the just garden and wait. stay you happy. Know, the National Institute of Health is likely funding that. <laughs> well, as long as we use organic products. <laughs> well, Dave, I hear you, buddy. You've always got great insight and great questions. And uh, we really appreciate we do, you getting David. up to join us. We do, buddy. No problem. And uh, by the way, did Dawn work yet? Who's that? Did Dawn work yet? Yeah, we haven't seen any sign of it. Dawn. D-A-W-N. It's yeah. a little early out there, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's still pitch dark. Oh, gotcha. It's definitely Dawn is working this morning. We, we don't pay as many taxes, so we don't get it as early as <laughs> Exactly. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, Dave. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for the call. Yeah, well, the other thing about the Big Dust Bowl was is they just harvested the land to death. They just took trees down, harvested, oh, yeah. didn't replenish. Well, just you know, right here through the, through the Mississippi. Jerry, hang on just a second. Through the Mississippi Delta, I mean, it was one of the largest hardwood forests, you know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and all down through, you know, Greenville, Mississippi, all that, which is farmland mm-hmm. now, was all forest at one time. Man, in my perfect world, and of course, I didn't think about this, and most people probably didn't in developing uh, communities, is leaving patches of green space, you know. Um, uh, I know it. people can make more money making it 100% houses, but it would have been nice to have some patches of little mini parks. I mean, what if it's just one plot, you know, throughout the subdivision instead of just constant houses next to each other and concrete? I know you make more money with houses, but I sure would like to have kept more green space. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, even in the big cities, you like the, the park. So it makes a big difference, I'm telling you. Let's go to Jerry from South Haven. Good morning, Jerry. This is all. Hey, Jerry. You there? Hello? I think well, we'll put him on hold and we'll just get back We'll get him to back him. after the break. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, it looks but, like he's got a question on watering, so that's going to be a good one to discuss, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and then we, you know, there's so many, you know, I was talking to a gentleman not long ago, and I brought this up a couple months ago, came into the store, and his big thing was trying to capture uh, runoff rain after a big rain here in the Mid-South. Uh, I mean, think about it, whether it's parking lots, whether it's the street, all the asphalt that we have, especially here in the city, uh, the water just runs down to the curb, down the street, mm-hmm. down the drain, and then, you know, probably into the Mississippi River. And his thing was, what if we can just capture some of that water and use some of that water? Uh, where, you know, houses start coming with, uh, you know, water barrels. Yeah, reservoirs. Um, yeah, yeah. Any, I mean, just, I mean, but it was fascinating talking to him, though, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it was definitely on his mind how much water we were wasting and then, really, what's going down through the drains and into the Mississippi River, down into the Gulf of Mexico, who knows what's going down there? But, uh, I, you know, at least people are talking and thinking about uh, conservation, whether it's land, 
or so mm-hmm. soil or whether it's water. You know, they to me, they both go hand in hand. Right. Well, yeah, because one thing I have not, I mean, way in the past, heard about how we're trying to protect through landscaping, how we're trying to protect our waterways and how to plant the areas between our soil and, and, and our And that's waterways. what he was talking about, too. Right. What yeah. kind of what can we do? to either diffuse this water, mm-hmm. clean this water, capture this water, or use this water before it makes it just to the drain. Yeah, yeah I mean, we have the technology now to have excellent permeable concrete. Right. You know, mm-hmm. there is no reason to have that one tree sitting out there in the middle of a parking lot <laughs> and it not be able to get any water except that <laughs> like two feet around it, you know. You're right, Jim. Water should be able to penetrate through that. So we, you know, which... Really affects your groundwater, particularly mm-hmm. here, because you know we have uh, we get all of our water from artesian wells, mm-hmm. um, which you know Replenish. the rest of the country doesn't have that. Yeah, that, well, maybe we shouldn't tell that, that luxury where we yeah. get our water from. Mm-hmm. They may be trying to get some. Well, they don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there for them to get like we have. So you know, it's <clears throat> we again the people we have in power don't really make the right <clears throat> decisions they make what's a good business decision and like you said houses make more mm-hmm. money but um we're be- we're beginning to see where there's more green space incorporated yeah. into I know, neighborhoods and by the way our younger younger generation talks i feel real confident that we're going to go in a good direction um of con- conservation and because they have a lot of things to work with now you know before we didn't have so much to work with to make things easier like the permeable concrete Mm -hmm. and all so i think uh well technology can be in their favor no doubt yeah that's right and i think uh, all the land landscaping now everybody's wanting to landscape for conservation more so landscaping to uh help create a good environment long term instead of just looking really the same, like two hollies on the end and a row of boxwoods. Yeah. Now we're, which looks well, great. Jim looks at me. House. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Which looks great, but also do some incorporating of some other things that are going to protect the whole system. But we're going to take a break, and then we've got Jerry from South Haven. And so after this break, we'll get right back to you. Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all are with us here. It's cold in Memphis anyway and enjoying it, enjoying the wonderful fall color. And it's definitely a wonderful time to plant and garden. Mm-hmm. Call us 844-747-8868. Yes, you can. That local number 901-260-5926. And of course, the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page. And like you said, uh, kwamradio.com. You can stream us that way. Good morning, Jerry. Thanks for holding. Good morning. Hey, Jerry. Good morning to you, buddy. Got a uh, watering question. Yes, sir. Uh, I bought some values a few months ago or so. Yeah. I water them about once a week, good. Yeah. Uh, how long should I keep doing it? Well, that's a great question, Vader, because, and Jim, a lot of people love to plant in the fall. This is a wonderful time of year to plant, but you don't have to water in the fall like you do, you know, through the late spring and summer. Uh, once a week, like you said, Jerry, soaking those things is really good. If we start getting rains, I don't care if you get rain once a week, you're good. Those uh, those soil 
water levels are going to, I mean, the water's going to be in that soil for much longer periods of time in, in cooler temperatures. Now, you know, I'd still, if it's dry, if you don't get rain for even a couple of weeks, go out there and give them a good soaking. But um, no more than once a week, once every two weeks if we're getting, uh, you know, a, a, even some rain. Yeah, because you know? you'll, you'll basically be able to not water at all. Because they've been planted. December. How long have they been planted? Uh, a couple of months is what Oh, I yeah, they've like got to have some roots already. Yeah, but one thing I would do with any plant, and but especially new ones, if it looks like we've got some bitterly cold temperatures and winds coming in, we're talking temperatures, you know, below 20, <clears throat> try to get out there and water the day before. Uh, and help hydrate those plants. And it will uh, it'll really help you and keep prevent wind desiccation from them. While the ground is warm, that's good. And and the worst thing you can do, Jerry, honestly, uh, is is overwater. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially you know azaleas. I mean, we say this for a lot of plants, but azaleas hate wet feet. And a lot of people that uh, have inadequate drainage or they overwater or both. Uh, you start getting some root rot in there, and then you get decline mm-hmm. next year when it starts to get hot. So you're right. Once a week is fine. Even cut back on that if we're getting rains. If you get no rain whatsoever, maybe once, like I said, every two mm-hmm. weeks. And then like Jim said, if it gets really, really cold, go out there and give them a good soaking before before that happens. All right, Jerry, thanks uh, for – oh, go ahead. It, how do you fix that Dan West about more organized? Yeah, no, we keep milorganite in stock, Jerry. Uh, great, you know, as you know, organic, non-burning fertilizer. You can put it on azaleas even this time of year. But, yes, sir, that's a product that we keep in stock. Yes, sir. Okay. One other little question. Yes, sir. You're about purple concrete. Water going through it? Mm-hmm. If that happens, what happens in the wintertime when it gets close through it and it freezes? It's it's made out. Go ahead, Jim. Well, it gravity pulls it down through to the soil below. Okay, so it um, it's kind of like um, a maze sitting on top of the ground where water can go through it, but it doesn't build up between it. Almost like a porous yeah. mat. There yeah. is when they when they pour this stuff, they put a sand base up underneath it so that water can't accumulate in but in those little holes basically inside the concrete there so expansion isn't an issue all right well thanks for the call jerry great questions and um so you know we were talking about thanks jerry uh the planting part and have you noticed of course i'm sure you have as nurserymen that and this is why we recommend it all the time because we want things to root out much faster and that's preparing digging your hole twice as big preparing the soil really well and then that way it's going to root out in a month or two. But at the same time, I've seen people dig a hole that's exact same size no, practically. No, we, we yeah. did, yeah. And, and not breaking the roots up. And so they're really never going to be able to root out where you can hold off on your watering. If they stay like that in the ground, like a bucket-sized root ball, you have to water a lot more. <laughs> I mean, you'll see people trying to stuff a five-gallon-sized root ball down into a post-hole <laughs> digger yeah. hole. And it's just not going to work. It isn't coming out of that either. Yeah. In four or five years, it's going to choke itself to death. Mm-hmm. But like you yeah. said, Veda, you know, when you're planting this time of year with trees and shrubs, you know, you dig that hole just as deep as the root ball, twice as wide. And then I think I've heard you or Jim say before, maybe both of y'all, try to have the side of the hole that you're digging kind of at an angle, yes. angling outward, you know, not just this 
straight up and down circle wall, you know, that the roots going to go, they're going to bump into. Break the soil up on the side of the hole too. It makes it easier for the roots to penetrate instead of that hard slick. We would take the shovel and try to make it all pretty and slick. Nope. Dig an ugly hole. Well, but I'm glad Jerry called with that uh, question Mm -hmm. because there again, people, a lot of people just don't know how to properly water. I mean, it's, it, it, to us, it doesn't sound complicated, but to a lot of people it is. They just don't know. And they think, okay, this is a brand new plant that I'm planting, brand new root system I'm putting in the ground, and I've got to water this thing like I would in the spring and summer. You do not want to do that. You do not want to keep these things wet. Hydrated is one thing. Mm -hmm. excessively wet is another and watering's not and hugely difficult when you've prepared your soil when you've got good soil when you've um, broke the root ball up properly the watering isn't as hard at all you don't have to guess as much because you put the balance in there by making the soil really healthy where it can hold moisture yet at the same time drain. Now, and and on some plants, like azaleas, for example, I like to take it out of the pot and cut the root ball two or three Mm -hmm. times before I put it in the ground. Now, there are other plants that I gingerly take this shrub out of the pot and gingerly set it down in the ground and not try not to disturb the root system at all. So we're not saying that on every plant, tree, or shrub that you're going to rip this root system before you put it in the ground. Yeah, because if you can't see the root system, don't break it up. Right. (laughs) Because sometimes they're not rooted out. Hey, you know what? We're going to take another break, but y'all hang on. We'll be right back. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome back to mid-south gardening glad you could join us this cold morning and i am veda with palladio yeah and i'm kenneth with dan west garden centers and i'm the other guy the Mr. Jim Crowder, the fine gentleman over here, probably smarter than most people that I know when it comes to lawn and gardens, right? Well, I'm yeah. fine. Glad, glad you're finally admitting that. Well, you know. <laughs> well, but then the next hour, I say that about Kenneth, and, and then, then, then yeah, you say then, it then about me. Exactly. Okay. All right. Got I, it. It's a round table, right? I thought I was getting to be first, yeah. but since Jim is the smartest, we'll let no, him No, I'm be just first. the oldest. <laughs> and Jim, you've got this um, Facebook page. Yes, indeed. Mid-South Gardening. we Invite you to join it. It's a good place to brag. Uh, it's a good place to ask questions. And it's a good place just to learn stuff. Yeah, maybe uh, it really is. In fact, this week, uh, just uh, night before last, I posted some pecan information. Um, everybody thinks about pecans right now because they're harvesting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a question about why their kernels were black inside. And that is, in the Mid-South, that's a zinc deficiency mm-hmm. uh, called pecan rosette, not related to rose rosette whatsoever. Rose rosette is a virus. This is just a deficiency in zinc. So you're telling me you can have a healthy, beautiful-looking pecan tree out there. Everything's right. The moisture, the the amount of sun you should or shouldn't get, Jim. And it could come down just to a lack of zinc that's in the soil. That that causes the black kernels. Wow. Yeah, it's called rose rosette. Called rose. Called pecan (laughs) rosette because... It, the leaves at the end of the branches will compact down instead of there being 
uh, well, the distance between each set of leaves becomes much shorter, so it looks like it's com- compacted into a rosette. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main issue is the fact that it has black kernels inside. Which are not too good to eat. No. no. Yeah. So oh, I you love can, the faces when people You can eat correct that with a little <laughs> zinc sulfate. You can buy it at any independent garden center. Um, and you're going to want to use one and a half to two pounds per inch of trunk diameter. Mm-hmm. So measure your trunk. You know, if it's 20 inches across, and you're going to need about 40 pounds or so. Mm-hmm. And then sprinkle it just inside the drip line, five feet or so, to about 10, 15 feet outside the drip line. Mm-hmm. That's where your most active feeder roots are, and that's where it will get into the plant quickest. And, and do you recommend doing that every year, Jim, just as a Until you stop having an issue, yeah. yes. And yeah. then the good thing, a lot of the pecan tree foods that you buy now actually have some zinc in it. Yes, I'm not sure that they'll have enough. Right, but, right. but I yeah. mean, but as far as once you get your tree where it needs to be, mm-hmm. and then just being proactive and as far as maintenance, just feeding that tree at least once a year mm-hmm. with a pecan tree food that has zinc in it, right. you should be fine. I, you should be. I totally agree. Uh, that was what, you know, like organic products, they have zinc in it. And so if you're constantly keeping the organic matter up, then then hopefully you can keep the zinc and everything working at the same time. But like Jim was saying, and you were saying, sometimes we have to add more mm-hmm. to get it back up to the proper state and then just keep using fertilizers with the zinc. I mean, I remember years ago, we would recommend like uh, maybe a 61212 or a triple thirteen mm-hmm. and zinc. Now you, you can still can do have that. The, yeah, you can still yeah. do that. But we recommend more like a more balanced fertilizer, organic fertilizer that already contains zinc or adding extra zinc. And, all right, so other than being aware, Jim, of a zinc deficiency uh, in pecan rosette, what are there some of the tricks of the trade if you really want nice pecans? Well, the other thing that we have, particularly here in the Mid-South, is something called pecan phylloxera. It's an aphid-like little creature that attacks when the buds are first opening in the spring. So it's critical that you deal with them early, you know, because by the time you see the little lumps and balls on the leaves, the damage and we've is all seen done. That. Mm-hmm. So, and, and one of the best things to control it with is a metacloprid. The, the tree and shrub dredge. Right. It works very well for that. You pour it right at the base of the tree. And the nice thing about it is it does not move into the pecans. Right. Okay. They're... Um, uh, Imidacloprid has issues moving into the reproductive parts of plants, which is good. That's the reason it's approved for some vegetables and that sort of thing, because uh, it just doesn't get in there. But it is, uh, it's a great product for pecan phylloxera. You know, a, you're, a little bit of it on a tree is not going to be an issue, but if it gets a heavy infestation, it can seriously impact the, uh, the amount of pecans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And think about it. Most pecan trees, you know, get fairly large. So it's impractical to think that we can go out there and actually get a hose-in garden sprayer oh, yeah. and spray this pecan tree. You just can't do it. Right. They're too big. And you want to do this, you know, best time really is in January, uh, as long as the ground is not saturated, wet, or frozen. That's right. Um, because those buds at the top of the tree cannot open until the sugars have have moved from the root system all the way up to the buds. 
And when they do that, if the chemical is there, they'll carry that with them. So it gets to the buds in time to prevent the issue. So all you're doing, Jim, is mixing this product with water and pouring this right around the trunk of the tree. Yeah. Not around the drip line on this, That's right. but right it's around good. the trunk. Right around the trunk. And again, so you're going to use about an ounce per inch of trunk diameter. Right. So, uh, or circumference. That's right. Excuse me. On that one. So anyway, but that will take care of it. The other thing, if you're, going to th- if you're thinking about planting pecans... You need to plant two, okay? There are basically two groups of pecans. One, uh, where the pollen is released before the female part of the flower is receptive. The other is exactly the opposite. The pollen is released afterwards. So they will not pollinate themselves. You need to have one from each category to make sure that they bloom at the same time to make sure that you get the That that pollination in there. And most people want the big paper shells. One of my favorites is is a rather old, an older variety called Desirable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge thing, 36, 38 nuts per pound. Um, and but it, it is a paper shell it variety. It is a paper shell. And then for a pollinator, there's one called Candy, which is a small one. It's 66 to 70 nuts per pound, but very sweet. Uh, and you really only need one candy for four or five of the desirable. So it's so a you, great pollinator. It is. Candy is. You can mix those, you know, and have six or seven trees if you got, got yeah. you know, space for them. Uh, but it's important that you get one of each. Now, the the parent of most of all of our paper shells is an old variety called Mayhan. Mm-hmm. Mayhan produces mostly every other year. It'll have some, but it produces heavier crops every other year. It's not real good at filling out all the way to the bottom of the nut, but it is the parent of most of them, and Mayhan can be planted with either one. Uh, it's one of the unique ones that you can use you know, if you wanted to, but I don't see a need to plant it because it's really... It's not the best nut. Yeah. So, so, so but, but starting out with a paper shell variety, yeah. because that has a thinner shell, correct? Right. Easier to crack, easier to get into. And the, uh, you know, some of them are very elongated and some of them are more rounded right. and small, you know, like the, you said. The like most the candy. common one you see and the one that's in most stores that you see is Stewart. It's an old variety, very dependable. Now, would candy pollinate Stewart? Uh, candy and Maybe. Stewart, I think, are in the same group. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I have. I put this information on our on our website, uh, on our Facebook group. So um, just go to the file section, click on pecans, and it's oh, a PDF wow. file, and, mm-hmm. and you'll have all this information. I mean, but think about that. I mean, if it was me, I would go out there and just buy a nice-looking pecan tree, mm-hmm. stick it in the ground, and then you're wondering, how come this thing never yields? Right. Well, there's there are reasons why this That's thing right. doesn't produce a yield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of the same thing with why didn't my plant not bury yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you needed a pollinator or my fruit trees. Why didn't I get fruit? Well, Same thing with blueberries, you know. But you think that just you need one per country. Per country? <laughs> it seems like you just need one per yeah. country. Now, here, here in the South, it's pecan. Pecan. Not pecan. Where does Not pecan. pecan? Where does pecan come from? That's about Michigan, I think. <laughs> um, it's, Is it's, a pecan it's, and a pecan the, South, the same? It's a pecan. Okay. <laughs> All okay. Right. What's your favorite nut? Cashews today. Okay. Hazelnut at Christmas. That's a true nut. Pecan. Mm-hmm. Cashew is not, and yeah. neither is a pecan. Pecan is not a true nut. It's a droop. Now, 
if you want to know the difference, it's how they're formed, and you can look that up because I'm not going to try to explain it to you. <laughs> but it is technically not a nut. I didn't know Jim, Jim drank before 8 o'clock. I know, right? <laughs> a that, droop, that just messes everything up. I'm going to yeah. call it a nut till the day I, I don't, die. You know, you're supposed to eat uh, yeah, nuts yeah, to be healthy. That's yeah. what they call me, and I'm not a nut either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to eat nuts to be healthy, but they don't see anything. It droops. Yeah, but that is pretty <laughs> – ex- uh, that's interesting, though, Jim. Yeah. It's, it's not only do you need two pecan trees, really, to get a yield – but you need two pecan trees from the different classifications. Yeah, one that I, bloom, I mean, one that they bloom at the same time, right, but they release pollen at a different time. Protandrous, and the other one is called protogenous. Um, so please don't. But come you in won't the ever remember center. that. Okay? Yeah, don't come in the garden center. Ask me and for I protogenous never, tree. I cannot ever remember seeing that on a pecan label either. Mm-hmm. And you know, and let me say this also. Growing up. Um, Usually, when people talked about pecans, they were talk, they they would actually say pecan grove. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and there were always multiple pecans, of course, in these pecan groves. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just one tree, you know. Right. There were there were groves of these pecans, and maybe that's you know, looking back, thinking that's why you know they are they're planted numerous pecan yeah. trees together, different varieties, of course, right. like you said, Jim, to get the pollination, and then you know if. The ones that I have listed in, in there are the ones that you see commonly in the market here. Yeah. Uh, Bracey's Nursery produces a good many mm-hmm. pecans. Yeah. And so, you know, these are the ones you're likely to see. But there are other ones that you can get from specialty nurseries. And you want to look at them to see whether or not which one they are, whether or not they produce annually or biannually. Right. So you make sure you have the ones, the correct ones. So anyway. So the moral of this story is, if we have small spaces, then you're going to have to have your neighbor get one and you get one. So we're going to take a message and take a message. We're going to a message and we'll be right back. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. We were just just remembering some of our childhood memories here back when, you know, we had trees and we put lead icicles on them followed by fiberglass (laughs) angel hair. Right. I can't imagine what's wrong with all of this. Yeah. I just can't imagine. So, Betty, you were saying the phone oh, number again, babe. I said the phone number is 844-747-8868. I was going to say that, you know, if you think about it, uh, nature is alive and full of intent. It's a microorganism. It's a microorganism. No, just throwing that out there. So It's a macroorganism. Micro. Well, yeah, the big mac- ones. Macro. There is a mac and a mic. Micro, macro. Lots of that. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in the soil that we never see, and that's fine. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and that's fine. You're like, there's a lot going on, and that's fine. But no, but my (laughs) point is, I mean, there's so much stuff going on in our soil that, you know, we never think about never see, but that's that's a good thing. You Mm -hmm. want a, you know, soil is a living, healthy, you hope, living organism. Yeah, and a tablespoon of soil, you got something in the neighborhood of a billion microbes i mean think about that you know and that's those are the workers down there when you put a fertilizer down do you think that fertilizer magically gets into that plant tissue Mm -hmm. that root system and works for you 
No, the microbes are the ones breaking all that stuff down. Now, remember, we thought it was the miracle grow <laughs> that was making everything wonderful. <laughs> well, it does say miracle, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's but, the thing. But we're talking about Christmas trees. You know, we're talking about poinsettias earlier. Uh, were you know, we talking about Christmas trees? Well, no. But a while ago, Jim was mentioning how, uh, you know, the angel hair and the, we survived. the icicles. Right. That we, you know, that's, so we were talking that about That we were Christmas putting trees. on a Christmas tree. <laughs> a Christmas tree. <laughs> well, but so many people will be using cut Christmas Christmas Mm -hmm. trees uh, to bring into their house. You know, even though, I tell you what, artificial trees, more and more Mm -hmm. people every year are bringing in artificial Christmas trees. Convenience. Uh, the trees are already have lights on them. You know, they're pre-lit. Just now, open it, it like an umbrella yeah, and just, set it there. Well, yeah. It, yeah. But, I mean, you used to have to, you know, <laughs> on artificials, put each limb <laughs> in true. and <laughs> fluff them out. And they were like bristles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pipe Definitely cleaners yeah. did not stuff. look real. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, the one I've got now is you You don't have to do anything but <clears throat> just set the four pieces on top, plug it in, and it's done. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah, the plugs are all in the light, in the trunk of the tree. You don't yeah. do anything. So it comes pre-fluff. Oh, that's coming from men, but women, yeah, we like to decorate it and weave the well, Carol, lights in Carol and out. Carol does that. She and, likes to decorate. Yeah. You know, in fact, it'll go up this weekend. Yeah, but a know, lot of people... After, I mean, third, the weekend after same, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah. Same. Thanksgiving, same. Okay, but, can but just a lot of people, No, but a lot of people trees. are, you know, they are actually allergic uh, to yeah, that's cut one. Christmas trees. Right. And, you know, they go years and years and years, and they can't breathe and sneeze <laughs> and everything else through the whole Christmas season. Well, they find out they're allergic to some of the... Uh, the green material that they're bringing in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why also you see a lot more artificial trees being sold. But just going to the cut trees, though, which I still love, of course. Um, some of the do's and don'ts. I mean, when you go out and, and, and pick a cut Christmas tree, um, one of the biggest things is making sure that you get a fresh cut on the tree before you take it home and then try your best to get that fresh cut christmas tree in water within two hours of that fresh cut and that's for real we're just it not is saying for real. no it. Yeah. because that bottom will callus back over and it won't draw up water like it should so um you know you do want a good fresh cut on the bottom of the tree before you take it inside now we always say you know take the tree in the house as late as possible take it back out as soon as possible that means nothing to so many people, okay? They're going to put cut Christmas trees in their house this mm-hmm. weekend. All fine and good. I get it. But there again, make sure you put a good fresh cut on it. Keep it away from like a fireplace. That's not just the best place to have a cut Christmas tree is right up next to that fireplace that you got blazing every day. Um, make sure that when you first take that tree in the house, you, you check the water. You will be amazed how much water that they would take up mm-hmm. in the first two days mm-hmm. that you take it in the house. And that's really critical also because you want this thing to be as plump and hydrated as possible, uh, right? And even though that you're still going to lose, you know, you're going to have some needle drop, of course, towards the end of the season. But then, you know, we always hear about people having their little secret recipe of what they pour in the water to help preserve the tree. Mm-hmm. Aspirins, Sprite, Coca-Cola, Cairo syrup, I've heard it all, Okay. But typically, anywhere you buy a cut Christmas tree, you're going to get some of that tree life that's a, either a liquid or a, or a powder that you just add to the water, and the, you know, the tree takes it up, and it helps preserve the tree. So just those simple little things, guys, you can have a decent-looking Christmas tree come Christmas Eve, okay? Right. I would say put it in the stand in the house. Uh, don't decorate it yet. Don't decorate it. it. I always always let mine fall. Yeah, let yours fall. But fill it up, uh, not the Christmas tree, your Christmas tree stand with water. 
And when I said that, it fall, let the limbs fall, right? not yeah, the whole tree. True. That yeah. happens also. <laughs> and then let it take up the water. And if it does that, then you're all good to go, and then you can decorate. Right. But, because I've, I've seen it, your tree's all decorated, then you pour the water in there and realize it's not pulling up water, so you're debating. <laughs> and you're scared to do touch I, it. Do I undo it? Because you know it's not going to take up any more water if it's already healed. So do I undo it and take it down and cut the bottom off? No, I'll just have an early dry tree. (laughs) We can fix that. Drill holes in the side. You can drill holes in it. You can actually take a chisel and just knock the edges off of the trunk down there and so that you expose Mm -hmm. some cambium and it won't take up water. I wouldn't have thought of that until you said you can fix it. Yep. I had to think about it before you could say it. I had to look smart this hour. But there's nothing worse than all the needles on the floor. Little duct tape, cable tie, drill. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've had fun so far and more fun to go. We'd love to hear your gardening questions. Let's go, uh, let's go back to Christmas trees. Cut Christmas trees for just a second. Cut Christmas tree cake. Yeah. Well, first thing is when you go to the nursery, you know, most people go on a rainy, cold day. And I can tell you that from experience. Uh, I wonder why <laughs> is that, Yeah, I don't know. But. When you get that tree, make sure that they bale it for you, okay? Baling does a very important thing. It helps makes it easier for you to put in the stand. Sure. But it also pulls the limbs together so that when you're transporting it, it's not, wind's not blowing all through that thing. And the other is put it on, you know, if you're putting it on top of your car in the back of the pickup truck, do not drive 70 miles an hour <laughs> home, okay? It will dry that tree out. So make sure that you take the back road, you go slow, and that will uh, save you a lot of grief. Okay. Yeah. I like to, once I get it home, as Kenneth said, get it in water within just two hours or so, and then spray it with a, a horticultural oil. That way it helps seal some of that against loss. It also... <laughs> Hold on, say, back that up. Say that again. Use a, a lightweight horticultural oil to spray the tree. It helps seal it, but it also helps hold the pollen that's dried on in the sap that is attached to the tree from escaping the tree. Ah, so good, you have good. less issues with allergies. And that can oh. be wilt-proof yes. or yes. a... Wait, wait, wait. Tell me all. that again, Jim. Yeah. I wasn't listening all the way because I was goofing off with my well, attention. You know, well, <laughs> I grew up with a, a an artificial artificial silver tree in mm-hmm. the little thing that spun around with, with the a color, color wheel light, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that played silent night or something you know <laughs> so i swore that when i had children i would always have a live mm-hmm. tree or a cut tree so you know we had the first one we had my little half year old got pneumonia mm-hmm. and so you know but no problem. Got over it. Right. Next That's what I'm saying. A lot of people go to artificials now because of they that. They did it. He get, both my sons got pneumonia. So doctor said, hey, you got to stop putting this Christmas tree in the house. Yeah. So we went to an artificial tree ever since. Right. So, um, but spraying with something like wilt proof. Spraying with wilt proof helps. It prevents some water loss, right. obviously. 
uh, because it helps seal the pores, but it also helps bind that pollen that's collected in that tree mm-hmm. and he helps keep it from escaping. As the tree dries, it wants to fall off, and, and your air is blowing in the house, so it just sucks it up and then circulates it throughout the house. Right. Mm-hmm. So this helps hold it to the tree. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if I also put an air purifier close to it. I'm yeah. going to try every little thing. I have thing. two in my den. I yeah, two air too. purifiers so that to suck mm-hmm. the dust and, and stuff out. Of course, even with an artificial tree, it's got dust on it. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know I want I want a live tree inside as well, but there's that allergy issue, and so I might try those. Yep. Yeah, and of course, there are live, I mean, artificial trees that really look alive. You're almost getting oh, up close to them. Oh, yeah. And they, they really checking way. them out. So, uh, now let's, let's go one other step further here. A lot of people want to have a live tree that has a root ball on it. Mm. Um, we used to do those. Yeah, yeah we That you can plant outside after Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. and have, you know, build your little forest over the course of years. All right, well, here's the thing. It can't be in your house more than about three days. Right. That's it. Okay. Because the warm temperatures in the house, that tree begins to think springtime. Well, let me tell you, my mother-in-law would get a ball and burlap tree, usually a white pine, which are probably the ugliest. Well, but yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. But it but it had the better chance of making it the after, after Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. But you know, there are you know, spruces. Like you said, Jim, a guy came into the garden center the other day and he said he heard what you said about Anything that's got Siberian, Alaskan, mm. you know, uh, Norwegian, yeah. probably doesn't do in the name. Yeah. Probably doesn't <laughs> do well around here. But she would uh, take this thing and would had a huge galvanized what wash tub, yeah. I guess, yeah. that you mm-hmm. would set it in, put the mulch all around it, and she loved the idea because she knew it was a fresh tree. Okay. And yes, I would be the one that would go over there after Christmas, lug this thing out. It weighed eight hundred yeah. pounds. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's been and, sitting and, in water and plant it. And y'all, I'd always plant it. I'd pull the dead one up from the previous year, <laughs> put it in the same hole, and we did this for years. But you don't see as much of that going on. But like you said, it was in that house much longer than three days, Jim. Oh yeah. But, you know, three days, it really is about it. Otherwise, it, it, the buds start to swell. And even once you plant it outside, if you keep it in a week or so, it will look fine. It'll even pop with new growth from carbohydrates that are stored in it. Mm-hmm. And then about June 1st, it collapses, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and it, it really died, you know, back at Christmas. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Yet. So you're saying it's nothing wrong with using a ball and burlap right. tree as a Christmas tree. But just don't expect that thing to really thrive after you plant it in your landscape i mean some do but most of them don't right but every day (laughs) that you go beyond about three you significantly decrease the chance of it surviving yeah so So. it's not i mean maybe for your screened in patio that's being outside or or on your front porch some people like to do it like that so if you really want to buy a tree to plant outside then go ahead and buy it it but keep it outside yeah (laughs) I mean, why not? Well, and then a lot of people buy pyramid-shaped shrubs to put in their containers, their their planters, put Christmas lights on them, and, you know, use them as a little mini Christmas tree for outdoor use, mm-hmm. whether it's arbovitas, junipers, pyramid-shaped, you know, hollies, pyramid-shaped boxwoods. And they, you know, they stay in the containers outside and the lights look great on them. Mm-hmm. But that's so much different than taking a live plant inside and then taking it back outside mm-hmm. later on and putting it in the ground, right? Right. right. Well, you know, back to landscape, 
we should be doing our landscape like in rooms. You know, it's kind of a new thing anyway. So uh, with house plants or what are we talking about? Oh, outside landscapes. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, with room outside rooms. Outside rooms. Right, right. So I was thinking about this the other day because I remember growing up walking out through the woods and it would be windy and cold and then you could get out into the pasture and there would be some cliffs and you could climb down into the cliffs and be out of the wind. Right. But sit there in the sun and yeah. just enjoy it even though it was a cold winter's day. So why don't you plant rooms in your yard like that? Like you can plant a room where you've got the proper, where you've got windbreak shrubs and it's where you get the most sun and uh, kind of enclose it a little bit and that can be your winter room. I mean, they kind of do, but you know, like there are perennial beds mm-hmm. and then there's rose beds. Yeah. Then there's your vegetable garden. Right. I mean, those are all like individual rooms. You know what I'm yes. saying? Yes. But we never think about actually planting for winter warmth for us. You know, like, of course, we're doing shade trees and anything to make it cooler in the summer. But we mm. don't do anything to have a warm spot in the winter. No, but I'm definitely, you know, planting strategically to make it cooler in the summer, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked about that tree in my front yard for 100 years that I want to chop it down today when I get home, right? But my house faces dead west. And this tree, it, the only good thing this tree does, which is a tulip poplar, which is a beautiful tree, but it's, my front yard's too small for the size of this tree. It does shade the front of the house. And that's the only attribute this tree gives me, right? Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine if I didn't have a shade tree in my front yard, that faces there again dead west guys so you know strategically placing plants and trees and shrubs veda is a big deal because that tree makes life more enjoyable each day it does really i mean think about it because we don't think about how plants and things make our day better oh yeah but if you got up and the sun's blaring on the front of your house, and there's no breeze from the trees, and you can see the birds. Cook you know, my house. Cook your house and just be kind of a, a deadness. Yeah. Just a still, quiet yard. But I know I can <laughs> always go out there, which there again, I threatened to do 20 years ago. My wife wouldn't let me do it at that time. And now it's going to be much harder for me to go out there and secretly cut this tree down. You don't um, think she'll notice? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, you know, the trunk is, is it's a big tree now. And it's, you know, and if I do have it cut down, then I've got to get it ground up, all the stumps, you know, ground up mm-hmm. out of there, get all that out of there, you know, add new soil and then replant. Because I would need to replant immediately to have somewhat of a tree, a new tree, to shade the house there again right. in the summertime. And then you're going to need to wait about seven oh, no. to eight years, you know, before it gets that tall. I oh, know. But it'll still be providing some shade. But that's the thing. Do you cut down a tree to plant a tree? Yeah, I think, <laughs> think about eventually yeah, I, I like will. I your idea, though, of planting plants to make it warmer. So, you know, I'm going to plant a bunch of palms and hope I turn into Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that works. we can make it warmer in my yard. Well, huh. but you I do. I like that idea. <laughs> just, just make the environment think it's in Florida. There and we then, go. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and let's say just arborvitas, for example. You know, you mm-hmm. see a lot of people that have a fence line, a property line, and they like to kind of shield their property from the other properties around mm-hmm. um and you know they'll plant uh you know arbovitas hollies or whatever fairly close together to create that natural green wall mm-hmm. if you will uh one of the things i wrote down today is actually pruning arbovitas you know a lot of times you don't have to do that uh, but i've seen arbovitas let's say planted up close to a front door on either side of the door 
And we know that these emerald green, in this case, are going to get 12, 13 foot tall eventually, maybe taller. Um, what is the deal with pruning arborvitaes? Because normally people don't think about that. Even though I know you can, you can shape mm-hmm. them, but you don't want to go in there and prune these things back like you would, say, a holly. Yeah, see, I, I know, like, I wouldn't want to prune mine to change the shape and all, but sometimes it's needed. But I'm going to plant arborvitaes to block the north wind. You know, that's what an arborvitae is good for, to block the north wind well, but this or is, your neighbors. But what if you've got, there again, arborvitaes that are fairly close to the house, close to a front door. You want to keep them maintained. Mm-hmm. You want to try to keep them shaped to a size that looks good where it is, knowing eventually that they're going to try to get too big. Man, we used to do where you, oh, this was well, so that's intense. That's crepe syndrome, plant the wrong one. I mean, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We used but, to go in and just clip piece the longest pieces off. Yeah, to as make long it. as you're shearing one year first old year growth, you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the downside is if you use something, even head shears, you're going to end up with brown tips. Yep. You know, which can make them unattractive. Yeah. I actually have a pair of scissors like things that are made to do that. Yeah. Uh, so that you can take that piece off without having any brown tip whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. It was um, just yeah. oh, forever, but it worked. One time I, in, in a, a um, demonstration John Naka was doing, I asked him, I said, how how much do you actually prune your juniper? Mm-hmm. You know, because we pluck them. We don't actually cut them yeah. to prevent that brown. And he said, just get up every morning and pull 200 tips. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Jim, you tips. made the comment about when you're cutting a lot of these evergreen, these these fir type evergreens, right. whether it's cryptomeria, arborvitaes, cedars, cypress. I guess cedar might be an exception. Try to go in there and and not cut back more than that one year old wood. That's right. Uh, because if you're getting back into the two year, the older tissue you cut there, you're typically it won't grow right. back. And correct. we're gonna have some more tips right after we run off to this break, real quick. So stay tuned. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you're joining us today. We're going to go to Jamie, the Master Gardener. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Hey, Jamie, good morning to you. I just wanted to call and thank you for your time last week or whatever with the calendars, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, I just sent Tom an email, too. Uh, Veda hadn't gotten hers over Palladios, so... Need, <laughs> yeah, so we, we need to get some over there to her. Bring them on. And they, I'm ready. Jamie, you beat me to the punch. I've got written in my notes here the Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar. I always like to talk about it this time of year because they are available, you know, at the retail outlets and in the garden centers. But um, I had Sharon, uh, Sharon Cowers came by. I don't know if you know her personally, but she's a wonderful lady. She came by the garden center and she was kind of flipping through the calendar. And I said, uh, sharing anything particular that you're looking for she said no i'm just looking at my pictures and i went <laughs> pictures yeah plural pictures. and she said yeah i've got more than one in here so i think there's some shenanigans going on with people uh t- pulling these pictures <laughs> jamie i'm going in I'm, I'm, I'm gonna send some pictures in next year and i want <laughs> pictures in this calendar not just one i want several pictures of mine that i take but I thought it was pretty cool. She was tickle pink. No, and nothing I like better than a picture of a round shrub. <laughs> <laughs> I got some it's of calming, right? <laughs> That's calming. Yeah. But, but it, Jim, I mean, uh, Jamie, it's pretty cool, though, that these pictures are all taken by, you know, local people, people that we know, honestly. 
and they're just tickle pink that they do get a picture in the calendar. I mean, that's the ultimate right there. That's almost like winning the, you know, the gold medal at the tomato contest. Really. That's true. <laughs> well, to them it is, but I've yet to find anybody who is not on the committee who won the, the whole thing. That's you know, right. I, uh, <laughs> we talk about politics here. But anyway, they, they, they really go all out for this. But, and, but like you, you know, s- I'm proud for them. Yes, me too, Jamie. And like you said, it was great seeing you and Jan, but also uh, Jenny and Barbara up here last weekend to take their well, time to get up here and talk about that. It's, it's really something special. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all so much for having us. We appreciate you. Now, okay, you all talking about trees, you know, but you never say that, you know, you've got to wait till the 15th of January to take the tree down. Uh, yeah, the Christmas tree, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Now, you know, the, we, we we play the twelve days of Christmas here that sometimes gets to the fifteenth of January before <laughs> no, the tree comes down. No. Thirty days anyway. of Christmas. Hey, around our house, New Year's Eve, that tree is out. Yeah. You know, but we do keep it up till the to New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, but anyway, thank y'all so very much. We appreciate you. God bless you. We're listening. Thanks, right, Jamie. Thanks, Thanks for Jamie. The call. Thanks, buddy. Okay, so the last few, we were still talking about the prune and the arbovitas, yeah. right? And so if they're in your way mm-hmm. and if they're growing over and all that, then you may have to shear them and just have the brown tips. But a light shear at a time, that's the key with arbovitas. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't want to go in there and just cut these things way back like you can, like I said, hollies and mm-hmm. some of these other shrubs. Just a light shearing at a time. And if you continue to do that on a consistent basis, you're okay, but you can't wait till they're 15 foot tall and expect to get them down to five foot right. again. So otherwise, just don't plant it there or don't, in front of the house. Or don't share them at all. Yeah, right. do, do a little research. So it's like great myrtles. Plant the right one. Mm-hmm. You know, we have them like uh, Holmstrup, which exactly. only yeah, gets six it. or seven feet it's tall. It's a dwarf arbovita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not as fine a texture as emerald green, still but beautiful. it's still a nice columnar yeah. plant. Um, so pick the right one, you know. Yeah, that Holstrom, H-O-L-M-S-T-R-U-P. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. The I one. am so impressed. And Vader, like we always say that people used to plant crepe myrtles right up next to their house. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine and good, but don't get the one that's going to get 35 foot tall. If right. you only want one that's going to get 10 feet exactly. tall. Exactly. Plant the right one. Mm-hmm. You know? Unless, uh, Unless you want to cut it down. To- right, or you just keep limbing it up and limbing it up until the, the canopy's over the house well but we're talking about the ones that people plant on the corner of the house right there right up next to the house and they're mm-hmm. cutting that thing down to six feet every year and it wants to get 30 feet i wonder but yeah still though why would you cut it down when you can just let it grow up and have a nice canopy yeah because i think that's because we got stuck in that mentality that it's okay to do that and do it nothing gets taller than the 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 gutters yeah, you know i guess that does, like some people don't want to get a big tree because they think it'll be a different size in their house look it's not going to be in balance if you've got a smaller house and a large tree i don't understand that yeah but But, i mean but a lot of times they get them you know the wrong like jim said the wrong shrub up next to the house gets too big all righty y'all hang on we're going to come back after whether you like it or not we will be back
garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to spend another hour with y'all today. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, retired nurseryman and administrator of our Facebook page group. Mid-South Gardening. Fantastic group. Fantastic bunch of people I'm here with this morning. Yeah, thank we you. We were just Peter. talking about how long we've been in the industry. I think we all started when we were about anywhere between 20 and 24. Mm, so we've been about five years. I worked flies. We having fun. I worked <laughs> at my first nursery when I was 11. Wow. Yeah. My uncle had a little production nursery in a town called Magnolia, Texas, mm-hmm. outside of I know where Houston. that is. Yep. Been there a lot. Wow. It was That's a little wholesale crazy. nursery, and, and mm-hmm. I went down there and spent some time with him and fish after work. And during the day, we stuck cuttings of Chinese hollies mm-hmm. and variegated pittosporum. Oh, wow. Wow. Just yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds <coughs> of them. Well, when I was younger... I didn't start at a garden center, but I worked out on the land with my dad, and uh, we sprigged Bermuda, sprigged Bermuda. Sprigged Bermuda and planted privet. And I think I was like (laughs) four years old. I guess he had me do a lot of it because I was closer to the ground. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, and plant pine trees so I could actually mow over them later when Uh, they got a little bigger. I love it. So uh, we, he had a good fun with me out in the garden. But if you want to get in touch with Miss Veda or Kenneth mm-hmm. or Jim this morning, uh, the local number, 901-260-5926. And then you can call us at 844-747-8868. Stream us online at kwamradio.com. Yes. And also, check out our podcast. Yep, check out our podcast. Um, we're thrilled that we had nearly 3,000 downloads this last month um, from our podcast. Um, and our top 10 cities, I want to run through these again. This is really cool. Our top 10 of course, we we broadcast here from our, our flagship station, KWAM in Memphis. Uh, so our, our Memphis was number one, then Bartlett, Tennessee, which is just outside Memphis. Dallas, Texas was number three. Wow. Atlanta, Georgia was number four. New York, New York <laughs> was number five. Louisville, Kentucky was number six. Nashville was number seven. Chicago, Illinois was number eight. South Haven, Mississippi, which is another suburb kind of Memphis, is uh, <clears throat> number nine. And Los Angeles, California was number 10. Did we appreciate say- everybody doing it. And yes, tell your did. friends, you know, that you can download this podcast anytime. They're on our website there at kwamradio.com. That did is pretty cool. Did you say Louisville? Louisville, yeah, Louisville Kentucky. Kentucky. How, do yep. you, how do you say Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. But how do you Louisville. say Kentucky? Is it Kentucky or like, Kentucky? Yeah, they've got like about five na- ways to say Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so. Y'all, and, and then, of course, on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, um, you can see Miss Veda there. You can shoot us a text, which uh, people have done. Uh, Jan Childers uh, shot us a text and said, I know that you can spray Wiltproof, the product that we were talking about a while ago, mm-hmm. uh, on your outside plants. Can you spray it, and would it be beneficial on a tropical plant that is overwintering in a garage that still gets pretty cold? As long as it doesn't have um, fuzzy foliage yeah, uh, and it's not a succulent of some type, yes, it does help. Now, my preference is a lightweight horticultural oil. Wiltproof is a little heavier mm-hmm. um and it's made primarily to help plants not lose moisture when right. they're transplanted uh but it will work yes absolutely i think it's a good idea yeah and but it's um 
the stipulations is you don't want to use that product uh, if it's freezing or near freezing right. uh, or if it's close to 32 degrees, Jim, you don't want to use it. But if you're bringing it inside the garage, it's going to be warmer in the garage. Normally, yes. And you can spray, of course, right. in there. So, Jan, appreciate that question. And then we had uh, Wendy Johnson uh, shot us a text, and she said, uh, our camellia is blooming now. Uh, it is up to our gutter. There again, you know, we don't want our plants really in front of the house yeah. getting above the gutter line for some reason. But um, that's a beautiful, sounds like a beautiful, nice mm-hmm. camellia. But it's blooming now. It's up to the gutter line up there. When would be a great time to do a major pruning on it? Enjoy you guys. Yeah, and there's two types of camellias. So we're talking about pruning the ones that bloom in the fall. Yeah, she said hers is blooming now. So, so we, Jim, if we're uh, going to go in there and do a major pruning, and first of all, would you do a major pruning on a camellia? Well, it, it's not my preference, but, I mean, you can't, okay? Yeah. This past winter, I had some significant damage in some of mine, and I had to prune some of them very low. Okay. Uh, just in, And they're coming out. But, you know, it's going to be a couple of years before they're any size again. Uh, but the best time to do it would be about mid-March or so. Go yeah. in there and do it. Now, yeah. if you've got a spring bloomer, then you do it immediately after they finish blooming. Right. 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 So, so most of the sasanquas, I guess, are blooming now. Yes. And so going in there uh, early to mid-March, depending on the weather, cut it back. Uh, as far as she needs to. That's right. Jim, you, I mean, you don't. You can go back more than a third. Absolutely. Now, know. the thing is, don't cut all the green off. Right. Leave some green tissue, even if it's taller than you want. Let it re-sprout, and then you can go back and remove the rest of it if you need to. Yeah. Always want some food-producing tissue left on the plant. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, I guess uh, the reason why people don't want their plants to grow taller than their house is because they're planted so cro- close to the house that it's actually growing <laughs> under the eaves. So Could I be. guess you do have to do some some mm-hmm. severe pruning. And, you know, a lot of that's going to be changing throughout time, too. Um, we've just, for some reason, had the mentality of, well, when it gets too big, dig it up and plant something else. Or, I don't care, I'm only going to be there five years. Let the next homeowner deal with it. No, I'm not planting a tree. Yeah, good plan. I'm not planting a tree. I'll only be there five years. I won't get to see the shade. But well, all of us are basking the in the shade after. for somebody that planted a tree years ago. Yeah, exactly, know. exactly. Uh, let's go ahead and take a call. Let's go to Sue Knight. Good morning, Sue Knight. Good morning. Oh, where are you going? Hey, buddy. Good morning to you. Yeah, you sound like you've been having fun behind my back, man. You sound guilty. <laughs> behind his you back. You sound guilty. To that. How do you sound guilty, <laughs> Can't have a good time anymore. Do I? Yeah, man, I know you do. Man, I have a lot of fun, man. I don't live no life without fun. I know that's right. Well, what's going on this morning? Well, I was going to tell you all about how my ghetto uh, Christmas tree was coming. <laughs> it's really... <laughs> it really is a weed. It grows out by my mailbox. <laughs> and it really was a weed, and it turns to wood like a tree. I'm serious. It's it, it up, and it's probably about 12 feet now. Ooh. And I got it hanging like a Christmas tree. I shaved it down. I mean, I uh, trimmed it down, right? Yeah. And uh, I got decoration on it, too. And uh, that decoration looked good. And uh, I, I just thought, I, I, but I keep it up all year round, man. Yeah. You don't believe it? <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, let me ask you a question, though, Sunite. Just because you got your ghetto Christmas tree out there by the mailbox, okay, and you're keeping it trimmed and you probably put lights and all this stuff on it, that is absolutely no excuse for you not to have a Christmas tree inside mm-hmm. the house. Okay? Well, man, you know I'm, I'm abstract, man. You can tell by my ethnic background. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost your mind. I'm just Thank telling you, you there's no excuse. I'm just telling you right now. 
Mm-hmm. But I do. They produce, you know, so they got good in them. I just, I guess I ain't tap, in, tap, tap, tap in and try to, uh, uh, you know, take advantage of that goodness. Oh, so night. I tell you, crack me up. But I, but you know what? There again, though, you've got a native plant out there that he has shaped up to look like a Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and he's going to take advantage of it this time of year to put some lights on it. I don't blame you. But like I said, that's no excuse for not taking that thing inside, you know. <laughs> well, thank you for the call. Thank you so much for the call. And now we're going to start a new look, and that's the Christmas tree planting by the mailbox now. Well, but in Sue Knight's defense, he didn't plant it there. It just happened to come up there. Yeah, but now we might like that idea. Yeah, but I like the <laughs> idea that he keeps it trimmed up, cleaned up, some kind of a native evergreen. Mm-hmm. He's putting lights on there. And, well, case to point, guys, talking to a gentleman yesterday, a doctor actually. He did not put a Christmas tree in the house last year, okay? But right outside of his living room window, there's a crepe myrtle. Uh, and this is a zero lot line. They put 28 strings of 100 light mm-hmm. cords on this one crepe myrtle. And he showed me a picture of it. It was absolutely beautiful. And it looked like it was one of those when they plugged it in at night, the whole backyard was in a glow. Oh, well, that's a good way to and heat your weird, house. Well, the neighbors were shutting, you know, the, they were closing the curtains and <laughs> shutting the blinds when they cut this thing on. And it was, I'm telling you, it was really beautiful. So in Sue Knight's defense, you can have a nice looking lit something outside, mm-hmm. uh, whether you have a tree inside or not. Right. You know? Okay, let's go to a break, and then when we get back, we can talk about plants that you plant for pollution issues. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Okay, so one of the things we like to do is plant for uh, pollution, like... Like noise pollution? Yeah, noise pollution, visual pollution, hey. or uh, vehicles and, and road pollution. Well, you, you hit it on the nail. I, I made a delivery the other day, uh, after work actually, and it was uh, almost a car you feel. But where these people lived uh, is I, I, went, uh, I went off the main road, of course, uh, Poplar Avenue, busy street always, mm-hmm. a lot of noise on Poplar Avenue. But I went over the railroad tracks, and yeah. I went down this kind of winding drive through the woods, mm-hmm. okay? And then I came out into this open area with the house in this open area. And they were setting back from Popper Avenue. I mean, I could still see the cars kind of through the trees, uh, but it was so quiet, I'm telling you. Uh, and it would not be that way if it wasn't for the trees between mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. Popper Avenue. Right. And then, Veda, a lot of people do it on a much smaller scale. You know, right. we were talking about the arbovitas a while ago. You know, a lot of times you'll see this, this line of arbovitas um, planted not only a, because they look good. It's not just mm-hmm. arbovitas. It's evergreens in general. But a lot of people do it to, to reduce the noise pollution. Yeah. Or, or to absorb pollution that's coming from the street also. I mean, you've got, but you really need diversity as well for that to happen more efficiently. And you should still have diversity when you're planting your wall. Oh, I agree. Of just straight arbovitis. I agree. You know, that looks good. I've seen uh, 
a straight row of camellias or a straight row of pine trees, you know, but it's still good to have some diversity lower. I like them to have groupings, you yeah. know, instead of just the same yeah. plant all the way down right. 200 feet, right? Well, it's kind of like the same scenario when you turn it over to in the house. You can mm-hmm. put your house plants for um, to block your grandfather sitting in the chair where you can't see That's him. That's just wrong. Take a lot of plants <laughs> in my house. Yeah, to block you. <laughs> to block me. <laughs> oh, you can, um, you know, like plants absorb carbon dioxide mm-hmm. and gives off oxygen. So During that's a benefit day. if you're, yeah, that's a, a benefit if you want to have the plants in the room with you. I mean, you can't expect any difference if they're in the other back room i mean you gotta be in the room with it as well but i mean it takes out i mean plants filter things through their foliage so what's behind me nothing i'm just you know you just think i'm lying don't no, you well <laughs> no it, you it, just it, does not agree that plants can filter well, let, let things out this. of the air but they can outside on the street why can't they inside well house plants first of all they make people feel good you know yeah and they become an integral part of their indoor landscaping. They truly do. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of times where, you know, you've got a corner in a living room, you know, and there's no piece of furniture that looks good there. So you'll stick a nice house plant there. Well, that turns into like your inside decor. Sure it does. Now, Jim, we've done research on as far as the purification of air Mm -hmm. in a house. You know, it can't do anything but help. But is it going to turn over the amount of oxygen that's in your house compared to carbon monoxide or pollutants that are in your house? Well, okay. If if you're putting in house plants to purify your air, you cannot physically put enough in your house. Yeah, right. which is not my goal because right. I know that won't happen. <clears throat> right. Yeah, but but there are, there is information out there that mm-hmm. you know you can go Google right now best house plants for air purification or best house plants to produce oxygen mm-hmm. in a house you will get just tons of stuff yes and well, it's all it's all based on one test that nasa did in a confined area that's basically the size of the in inside of a beetle, beetle bug um you know and the, there was no fresh air pumped in it was just recycled in there and they found the plants did absorb some stuff which they did but this is not the real world okay um, and and you just it can't happen in your home, um, right? So I, mean, I don't even care don't, if they stu- studied it in NASA. I just know what I know and what I feel. Yeah. And when you study the whole dynamic, I don't understand why we can plant plants to help process pollution and keep it uh, more under control. That's our whole thing. Yeah. But then when you go inside, they're like, no, it doesn't apply. I mean, it still does filter the mold spores because it works outside. Why can't it work inside? It does take out the carbon dioxide out of the air and put in oxygen. Why doesn't that work like that inside? No, you're right. It's all true. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is actually all true. And and it's a feel-good thing also. Uh, But, like, I think when Jim's point is, you know, you're not going to completely – just you're not going to purify mm-hmm. the air like an air purifier would with just just house plants. Yeah. You'd have to have so many in there, but they're wonderful. Like I said, mm-hmm. they they you know we always talk about sometimes how reminiscing you know is a yeah. good thing. Whether you wake up in the morning and you smell bacon when you're walking mm-hmm. downstairs, well that reminds me of my grandmother's house. Yeah, you know it just does. 
So the room, you know, and like mother had a plant room. So that was the happy room. We'd go into the plant room and you'd just just be like, wow, life's not so bad. I feel better now. But it was the plant room. Plants are the same way. We, You know, a lot of times we reminisce when we see a certain plant. Mm -hmm. There again, even when I see hydrangeas blooming for some reason, pinks and blues, I still think about, you know, my grandmother's house. Well, the see, nature is just the whole balance. I mean, it all has to go together. You can't put one house plant or one tree and expect it to solve the problem. And then that's the other thing with the Mm -hmm. whole uh, world. That's why we're trying to plant more vegetation, more vegetation, because we take it all out, and then your balance isn't there. I agree. But uh, but also, this younger generation, you know, I say that like I'm an old man, which I am, but this, <laughs> this younger generation, they <laughs> love houseplants, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's just they, they've, they like the idea of having green material, live material, whether it's in their apartment, whether it's in their house. Uh, you know, they. It seems like we're we've sold more house plants in the last three to four years right. than we have in the last thirty years. And mostly, they're coming in for the happiness. I mean, they're yes, not saying my, of course, that they're getting it. That's to, my point, right. though. Yeah. So that's a, actually a good thing. And so house plants aren't going anywhere. You know, now unless you're like me, you know, and bring one home and and kill it, you know, within the first three weeks of bringing it home, they but might Gina be going somewhere, which happen, is the will she? No, because there are some house plants <laughs> in our house that have been there. For so so long, guys, where you know we talked about they rooted into the floor. Well, you know how you talk about the potting soil just disappearing. You know that they eventually you got to take them out mm-hmm. and repot them. Well, we're at that point with some of these house plants. Yeah, we had a. Uh, in fact, I've still got the plant of pothos that we've had well over twenty years. We um, yeah. hold it to Georgia and, and Texas, and, but we had it in in the master bath, and and it grew behind, alongside the wall. Then started growing up the wall, and it grew about six or eight feet up the wall. Yeah, you know, in this vaulted room. Oh. And I thought, now why? Why is it actually staying up there? Uh-huh. Why isn't falling down? It had rooted into the wall. <laughs> you know? Wow! There's enough humidity from the shower or whatever, but it that's actually, not a good thing. And I guess Jim. the yeah. leaves were a little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow, that's insane. Now tell me, I'm not a good gardener. I'm yeah. telling you what. <laughs> we'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've enjoyed being with you, and we still have time for a lot of great gardening questions. We'd love to hear what's happening in your yard. If you want to give us a call, local number 901-260-5926. 260-5926. And the other number? 844-747-8868. Sorry, I Thanks, baby. I didn't have that right in front of me. (laughs) And then, of course, the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page. You can see Miss Veda. Shoot us a text there or kwamradio.com. And we do appreciate the thousands, honestly, of downloaded podcasts last month. That's pretty cool, I'm telling you. Yes, it is. Well, I downloaded... 15 of them. Well, thank you. Got a question. uh, A couple questions is uh, one is when, you know, we love our boxwoods around here. Boxwoods to me are just as southern as as magnolia leaves, Mm -hmm. okay, and cotton bows. I'm just telling you, they are. A lot of times, uh, you know, we'll see bronzing of boxwoods through the winter months, including even now, you'll see some bronzing Mm -hmm. of boxwoods. Well, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that the boxwood is dying, you know. Uh, a lot of times when you – well, first of all, there are some varieties that bronze more than others mm-hmm. just with the yeah. change of the seasons. Um, so don't let that just freak you out. A lot of people, when they see that orangey, bronzy color, they're like, man, my boxwoods are dying. Yeah, yeah, they're thinking it's gone. Not so yeah. much the case, but you know, you still want to just your general maintenance is make sure the pH is up every year. In fact, a lot of people will put a little lime around their boxwoods on a yearly basis. You know, Remember the old Mid-South Garden Guide? I mean, that's yeah. one of the things that they actually right. recommended. Just go out there, put a little lime around them every year. Make sure you keep that pH up. But it never hurts to get a pH test run to see what your pH mm-hmm. is. But pH is pretty important when it comes to box boards. Yeah, you, or you get one of the pH meters. Yeah, that, that'll help there. you some. You yeah. know, secondly, uh, you know, it's a good heavy dose of a organic fertilizer. Plant tone, uh, cottonseed meal, milorganite, uh, any of those type products are great to put around uh, boxwoods once or twice a year. And then another thing, honestly, is moisture. Uh, you know, if you let boxwoods dry out, you know, during the summer and fall, you know, you're going to see some bronzing on that boxwood <laughs> come wintertime when the weather changes. So you want to make sure that you're keeping uh, uh, moisture um, around the boxwoods, especially when it's hot and dry. But there again, boxwoods hate wet feet. Right. Yeah. You know, so moist but well-drained. Well, like in the garden center, of course, you've got to keep everything watered. And I will notice that azaleas or some other plants will actually start suffering before boxwood mm-hmm. will. Because I can't, just can't believe how hardy they are. They're, they're just hardier than hardy. They're tough. Unless they're sitting in water. Mm-hmm. That's just it. Just bottom line. Amend your soil and keep it amended. A lot of times we amend our soil and then do nothing to keep it healthier. And then it becomes compact. And then your plants can't breathe and the roots can't breathe. And then you get root rot and there's your whole boxwood issue right there. And then a light layer of mulch uh, helps hold some moisture in, uh, helps uh, protect those shallow roots, uh, you know, from winter damage. So, just some of those simple things, but just remember, and I wanted to bring this up because we're already starting to see some bronzing of boxwoods, and it's going to get nothing but worse on the ones that truly do bronze. Doesn't mean that your plant's dying. Now, it can also mean there are some detrimental things going on. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, the old term, uh, Jim, what boxwood decline, um, you know, yeah, which, that's, which can mean a lot of different things. Yeah, the true boxwood decline normally is just on the little dwarf english boxwood which you don't see as many of those right. around it's here because you... they die from boxwood exactly. decline <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, we're trying not yeah. to have those anymore the, yep. <laughs> the sufruticosa was a tough boxwood to grow here because it just you're talking about boxwoods not liking uh, mm-hmm. wet feet it i mean absolutely positively does not want right. water and there's so many the other hybrids out there that are so much easier to grow oh, than yeah. the true dwarfing See, that makes wood. it hard for us too because we can be a wet climate and then we can be a drought climate yep. at yes. the same time mm-hmm. that's the reason you want to plant them high that way if it's wet you always have some oxygen in that level of where that root ball is above your grade. Right. You know, if it sits in water, you can pretty much figure it's going to go eventually. It's going to go backwards on you. Well, and then so. also winter winds, uh, you know, that dries the tissue out. Jim, you've talked about that before. Uh, it can really dry a lot of the t- uh, the moisture out of a lot of these evergreens. And it does not just the needled evergreens we're talking about. It's broadleaf evergreens like boxwoods yeah. also. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's so critical when the soil temperature drops below 45 that you make sure you keep adequate moisture on those plants. 
uh, it's just tough. They they don't want to move moisture up, and that's one of the reasons I really like to spray them with a, a good oil spray to help seal them. You know, because here we have periods where the soil drops below forty five, but then it rises back up. Right. So you know, it's not as crucial here as it is further north that you make sure you keep good moisture on them. But it's um, they can be a booger sometimes to grow. That's an old southernism. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought about that? My father would go, "Ooh, that was a booger bear." Yeah. I'm like thinking, "Oh, that's a horrible sight, a booger bear." So, what are we taking out of this <laughs> when, when it comes to boxwoods? Whether it's hybrid boxwoods, little true dwarf English mm-hmm. boxwoods, which I would never recommend, or even the American boxwood. One is planting it in the right space. Some of them uh, can surely take a lot of sun. Some of them need a little more shade, like and, the American boxwood. And wood. if they're bronzed and they come out next spring and they're green, then it's just a physiological yeah, issue. That's my point. If it doesn't green up when it sprouts, then you got an issue. Mm-hmm. you got a problem. And so yeah. I have a few in containers that are pretty much root, not root-bound, but they're getting tighter roots. But I'm going to, like, uh, poke some holes in the the root ball and water it better and add compost and all of that now so next spring they'll have it there to start trying to absorb it and it's because with organics you can't put it down in the spring and expect two weeks basically for it to be right yeah so what you're doing now now, it's going to be for next year Yeah, it can be accumulating um, in its system and then when it warms up there it is. And then also, you know, good drainage. You know, we talk about this all the time, and most plants need decent mm-hmm. drainage, but boxwoods are one of them also that will just not tolerate wet feet. Talking to a young lady the other day, she bought a house um, here in uh, East Memphis, uh, and the previous owner has boxwoods everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. beautiful, I'm talking about really manicured, maintained landscape. Well, she was noticing that some of her boxwoods were bronzing, and that's why I brought this up. It doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Some bronze more than others, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a bad thing. Talking about, you know, irrigation and, and, and drainage and so forth. So uh, just be aware, you know, you need good drainage. You want to make sure you plant them, uh, the right boxwood in the right spot. Like I said, some of them love as much sun as you can give them. Some of them need a little bit more shade, a little more protection. Mm-hmm. Light mulch is never a bad thing. Not excessive mulch, but light mulch. And keep all the leaves out of the crotch of the plant. Get that out. And look, you know, a lot of times if you're bronzing, look down in the inside of the plant and look if you there has a little pink discoloration in there that's volutella that's a that's a bad fungal yeah. problem and there you're going to need to spray for that right so uh, and it will cause what looks like just winter bronzing except when it in the spring it won't green back up so uh, but it, important to keep all the leaves out of there mm-hmm. that's yeah because uh, i mean that does that just kills them out crown rot everything like you said everything um so uh forgot boxwoods boxwoods <laughs> we're on boxwoods my favorite okay so that's another good plant to use for a tall skinny on either side of the door you know, like if a green mountain use, green tower you know yeah, they grow de-runk, like a pyramid yes is it derunk or derunk and, 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 de-runk. and i've got to say this one more time remember when we first started talking about d-e-e-r-u-n-k mm-hmm. derunk boxwoods yeah i googled 
D R U N K Boxwoods, which is drunk Boxwoods. And there is a English band uh, out there that that were called the Drunk, drunk Boxwoods. Box <laughs> so I'm like, you know, what is this Boxwood that they're talking about? Uh, and uh, but I typed, in in D, yeah. I typed in D D space mm-hmm. Runk R U N K D Runk. Well, if you put that together, that's Drunk Boxwoods. Yeah, so be careful. Exactly. <laughs> be careful what you're googling. That's why that you really happen. can't believe all the garden information you find on the internet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But what is the other one? There's well, the green, Runk, green green tower, Mountain, green tower. That's the one. Green, green Mountain. Tower. I mean, they grow more, you know, pyramid shaped mm-hmm. than your typical round and type. They, and they're faster growing. And you know, like Green Mountain is than derunk. Derunks mm-hmm. can be quite expensive. That's yeah, because yeah, they're so they're growing. so slow growing. They're so beautiful. They really are. They're gorgeous. And but you know. Um, uh, the cost versus a, say, a Green Mountain boxwood versus an Arborvita. I mean, it may cost a little more, the boxwood, but it's a whole lot less uh, work, actually. Well, you won't have to pull them out. And you, you can won't. share them, keep them any size you yeah, want, real easy. right, that. And yeah. depending on where you plant it, the, the landscapes, I mean, sometimes you just need that height. Uh, you know, something like a sky pencil holly, mm-hmm. for example. You know, it reminds me of a of a boxwood but yeah. they're more pencil shaped they don't right. get as so um that's yeah. definitely a well-drained needs well-drained soil there again how many times do we say that we really mm-hmm. say it on about everything yeah. we plant around here you better have good drainage right. and you could plant an arborvita with a so-so but you could plant a sky pencil with so-so and it's not going to like it at all now of course you can plant a holly just whatever <laughs> and it's not going to care so i mean but still just overall good drainage uh and watching the moisture during the growing season it, it can make a huge difference on what your plants look well, like this time of year um some other pinnacle type small things that we can plant on each side of the doorway there's not a whole lot available really to do that so the sky pencils and the boxwoods are some really good options now we have smaller hollies what's the robin the red hollies well there's a patricia holly that only gets eight to nine foot mm-hmm. tall uh that's more of a you know columnar type yeah. holly it used to be called the red hollies they were marketed them as red mm-hmm. hollies yeah robin was one yeah. um liberty yeah mm-hmm so so those were a little bit more conducent to planting in front of your house, but they still get wide. Yes. We're, we're going, oh, they're only six feet, but then they're six feet wide yeah, or there's five some, or four. There's some beautiful um, columnar barberries. Now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. they, they do go naked during the wintertime. Yeah. Um, and they have some few thorns on we them. We call that deciduous, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We <laughs> call you. it going naked. Oh, but now um, we got to go to a breaks, right? We're going to leave you with naked. But we'll be they, right back. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm sure y'all wouldn't know where Jim's going with the naked. 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 Don't kill me. <laughs> so, yeah. Shrubs that's that what move he calls their leaves are deciduous. Ne- <laughs> that's right. They're naked shrubs. You know, except, you know, I can speak the Queen's English. Mm-hmm. However, I ain't got no friends that talk like that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no so. friends that talk like that. But you live in the South. That's right. So let's go to pruning hydrangea blooms. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's so many more hydrangeas out there in the landscapes now because of the, you know, the varieties that are out there that are available. Uh, Limelights, for example, little limes, you know, paniculata varieties. 
uh, that bloom a lot during the summer. Love them. Beautiful white blooms. Uh, you know, I always hear these arguments where should you deadhead your hydrangeas, in this case, or any, any of them really, but we're talking about the limelights, in, for example. Should you deadhead them before winter? Should you ever deadhead them? Do you need to deadhead them? Uh, what's, what are your thoughts, Jim or Veda? Yes, no, yes, yes, and no. Okay. <laughs> Meaning like... <laughs> okay, seriously, let's break it down. Yeah, uh, and because you're going to have your white blooms through the growing season, okay? My, my wife likes the interest of the old bloom on the plant. Right. So like mine, I've got some against a, a back fence right. and they're just more or less, you know, the leaves are starting to drop off. The If you cut just that dead head off, you've got a stick standing there. <laughs> exactly. So so, uh, so you don't mind leaving the, the old bloom on there mm-hmm. until what, early March of next well, year? Well, I actually <clears throat> do it. Usually in January or early February, I'll go out and cut my butterfly bushes back hard to eight to ten inches oh blooming so. all just cut yep. them back and cut the um uh, limelight limelight all the paniculatas i'll cut those mm-hmm. back how far jim uh, to about 12 to 15 inches that far back that even far. if they're five foot tall yep. you're still cutting them back about yep. that far back. you know because they'll get 10 feet tall again you know the limelights mm-hmm. they're going to come right back yeah. out and they're going to have these huge arching limbs mm-hmm. you know which is mm-hmm. the the look that i want now I have one that I trim up tree form. It's a multiple yeah. trunk. It's uh, used to be in the shade, but now it's in full sun because I lost the elm tree. Right. Um, but it is. Um, it has lots and lots of tiny blooms on it because now, it's, I just allow it to twig up. So you're saying if you don't ever cut them back and just just let them do their thing, you're going to get a lot of blooms, but they're going to be smaller. They're going to be smaller. They're going to be twiggy, and you're going to have hundreds of them, but they're not going to be but, you know, three or four inches long gotcha. instead of 12 to 15 inches wow, long. Wow, gotcha. So, but uh, this one is planted where I've got arum and uh, Chinese sacred lilies and Solomon seal under it, so I need the shade right there. It's right at the gate where you come into the backyard. So you keep this one a little bigger, this wow. I just let it go up. But all the rest of them, even the, um, you know, I've got uh, Bobo, I've got... Which is a dwarf. Uh, yeah. But okay, one of those I do, as we talked about before, the Chelsea Chop, when they get up about three and a half feet tall, three C, <laughs> then I go in, I cut them back about halfway. That way, when they bloom, they're even shorter than they would be. You know, because it'll be six feet tall if I don't, and now, I don't have room for them to be six feet tall. It, but you're typically only cutting your paniculata variety hydrangeas back just once a year. No, well, yes. You know? Yeah, but hard pruning them in January, February, so that I get those nice, mm-hmm. arching, big branches. Right. And now, so to make it easier... Not easier, but I wanted to clarify the difference. You're not talking about the microphilia. Not the old the pinks and blues. Right. Not the balls. Right. 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 Don't do any of that. Right. Right. Let me, but, but, now, but you are deadheading during the growing mm-hmm. season, correct? Well, so, yeah. now, I did that as an experiment this year. I deadheaded a penny mac, and then right beside it, I left the blooms on a... Um, Another one. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, another one. <laughs> yeah, Big Daddy. Yeah. Uh, and I got, because they say if for rebloomers, you really need to cut dead And that's what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. like on the lime But lights. I got on the Penny Mac, I got zero rebloom. Gotcha. But I got two flowers off the Big Daddy that I didn't do anything to. Yeah. But and on, one of them's beautiful right now. But <laughs> on the white blooming paniculata varieties, 
you don't mind leaving the old bloom on there through the winter. But you do cut them back, like you said, January, February. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then what about during the growing season? Do you deadhead the blooms as they start to fade during the growing season? On the paniculatus? Yes. I do not. Yep, because gotcha. I just like the look as well. Most of them mature to really cool colors. Gotcha. Limelight becomes mm-hmm. green, quick fire is red, and, and there's a bazillion of them. And now. the reason I brought it up because I know people do it both ways. Right. Yeah. There's also hydrangeas that have fall color. The, you like to leave their blooms on because, uh, like, there's one variety that the blooms are just as red and pretty, but we got to stop talking about hydrangeas because it's time for us to run and play in our own gardens today and all week until next saturday when we see you again we really appreciate y'all joining us this morning you know from all across the country tell your friends you know he he almost sounds southern doesn't he god dang yes (laughs) (laughs) so there i almost said and then i stopped i actually thought thought before i spoke and it's a really good thing Okay, we'll see you next weekend. This is Mid-South Gardening. Thank you very much, folks.